Hey, we're glad you're here. We got a special night plan. If you didn't know, tonight we like to call it Young Guns. Why? YGs. That's what that means. There will be no weapons involved. If you came in, you're like, what kind of church is this? It's a Z, not guns with an S. Okay. What that simply means is usually it has been interns or leaders, uh, up-and-coming people in our ministry. We give the opportunity to preach for the first time. And we're going to have four people preach you a message for the first time. But let me, let me say the backside of that. This, isn't, this is an opportunity for, to share their gift, to grow in a gift for the first time. But I challenged them over a month ago to seek God and to get a word for you guys. So this isn't just, oh, they threw something together the other day. They're gonna, they've been practicing for hours. They spent Tuesday night with me for three hours refining their message. They've been praying like crazy. And I believe, I've heard what they shared, and it's challenged me. There's going to be four different speakers. And I just believe you're going to receive something from God tonight. So this isn't just, oh, we're giving people opportunities. It's going to be cool. No, no, no. They're going to preach at you. And I want you to have a little fun. You can shout them down, give them an amen, preach it, whatever it is. You got to get them fired up. Treat them like you would treat me. Okay, so... And uh, we're going to have fun, but I promise they have a word of God for you guys. And I know that I know. I don't know. Sometimes, guys, I believe a lot for you guys, but sometimes my Thursday is just different, and it's been one of those days. And they're just going to, I just know the things that they're going to share on our heart is going to encourage somebody in this room. And so we're going to have fun, and then we're going to go party and pee whip and nay out there, okay? And so, <laughs> because that's how we do in church, you know what I'm saying? We have fun. Uh, I want to say so much more, I'll stop. So I, I need to do this. I, don't give me the mic when I'm excited. Okay. Uh, this might sound crazy in church. I need a slow clap to introduce our first guy on me. Chris, I love you. His name is Justin Free. We don't give a front. Hey. What up? How are you? Y'all doing good? On a scale of one to ten. Tim being the best you can do, how are you doing? 12, 11, I guess. For, you, for those of you under 10, you didn't speak loud enough, so it's okay. What's up, guys? My name is Justin. I'm one of the leaders here on staff, or for Elevation. I'm also on staff with New Life Church. I get to be over our student creative, the team that, the team that pulls off these services, and then also I just was, I don't know if it's an award or... I just uh, received all that is the weekend services on the weekend, so it has been a blessing learning everything that there is to know. Y'all are fiery today. I love it. This is going to be good. Um, so we have some amazing speakers, three incredible speakers coming up. Uh, they put me first in case I just do really bad, and then, and then they can save it. So we'll see how it goes. But um, for real, I'm so excited. The last eight years, I've been coming to Elevation in 2007. How many of you were still in high school in 2007, in 2011, in 2014? Okay, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. Well, the last eight years have been incredible. It has been fun. Week after week, year after year, I've been growing from Jason and Garrett, who first uh, brought me in and started teaching me to Amir. Uh, It's been an incredible eight years, and this is my first time ever to get to speak at Elevation. So I'm so excited. This is awesome. Uh, and Amir, thank you so much for the opportunity, dude. Uh, aside from pastor, aside from leader, aside from communication, dude, just our friendship means the world to me. So just uh, loyalty, um, always being there. Dude, I appreciate you so much. So awesome. If you've got a Bible, phone, or the paperback, paperback, John 15, 5 is where we're going to be. Y'all good with that? Come on. All right, John 15, 5. I want to speak to you tonight on a thought of seasonal fruits. Seasonal fruits. Yeah, I'm talking fruit. 
We're talking about food in church tonight. Holla food. So, awesome. John 15, 5. It says, if y'all are there, say, mm-hmm. If you ain't, say, hold up. All right, too late. All right. <laughs> too late. All right. It says, John 15, 5. It says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So we read in this one verse that God's promised that when we're connected to him, that we will continue to produce fruit. All right, so I need, by a show of hands, how many of you have a favorite fruit? Come on. Well, mine is for sure strawberry. So strawberry, I don't care if it's strawberry cake. You got strawberry, strawberry juice. You got strawberry muffin, strawberry smoothies, strawberry cake. All of it. I mean, I like... I like all of it. Cream cheese icing. Hello. Uh, what are some other favorite fruits y'all got? For real. Banana. Ooh. Mango. Kiwi. Who like peaches? All right. How many of y'all eat peaches in public? Y'all are sick. Those, that is the worst thing you can ever do. You just take, take those on home. I mean, Amir, you don't want to get me started. He said, why? He said, why is it bad? Y'all just don't picture this because it's terrible. The sound that it makes when you eat a peach and you, watching you eat it is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, when you're done, you like peach juice all over your face. Take it home. Nobody wants to see that. I'm tired of it. But, so, but guess what flavor we're having uh, pineapple whip tonight? Not peaches. Who said that? Dude, strawberry kiwi. God's favorite right here. I love him. God's favorite. They only they have a flavor per week, like every six weeks it comes around to strawberry kiwi. So tonight's my night. Um, so I was doing some research uh, over these last couple of weeks, and I, I, I got to thinking about fruits and uh, the season and how all this stuff works. And I was like, Okay, God, let's do this. So I figured out that, and you, a lot of you guys might know this because y'all may be farmers, and I'm from Cabot, where we don't farm. Uh, well, farmers pick fruits. I'm going to be really deep for a second. Farmers pick certain fruits at certain parts of the year because they're best at that time of year. It's super simple. But on the, on the contrary, I read a, a deep philosopher once told me that certain fruits aren't the same or aren't good. They're bitter at certain parts of the year. So farmers, for all kinds of reasons, pick certain fruits at certain parts of the year because they're most ripe, their flavor is at the best, and for some reason their color is at best too, but whatever. So I did a little research, and it says, in the spring, strawberries, hello. In the summer, blueberries, peaches, cantaloupes, all that stuff. In the fall, watermelon, apples, raspberries, watermelon. Two, okay. Okay. <laughs> Not many, not many watermelon fans in the house. Uh, wow. Okay, so thinking about the seasons of all these fruits and what uh, all the science that goes into that, I don't understand it and really don't. I mean, I do care, but whatever. But the se- it got me to thinking about our seasons and the seasons of life that we walk through. So compared to fruits, if I can compare you all to fruits in here, uh, each of you are walking through a season of life, whether that's young adult or college or y'all are... Uh, working full-time, some of you work part-time, some of you an intern, uh, some of you live at home with your parents still, some of you don't. Um, some of you uh, are single, some of you are married, some of you are parents, some of you are blessed with 
blessed financially. Others of you are real broke. Yep. Uh, so, so, some of y'all are real broke. But in whatever season you're in, I know and I can tell you for certain that God has a purpose of why you're in that season. And so I, thought, I started thinking about Bible characters too. I was like, man, so many people in the Bible, what, who can we look at? So just a couple. Moses uh, delivered people from Israel. God said, I want you to go get all the people, all my people from Israel or from Egypt, and then we're going to take them to the promised land. Noah, this dude built a boat, and he said, there's going to be a lot of water, and you're going to get all the stinky animals and all, all your stinky family, and you're going to put them on the same boat. And Paul, this dude, uh, was killing Christians. They put him in prison. He got out, and then they put him back in prison. And then Mary, uh, Jesus' mom, uh, for whatever, <laughs> I still don't get this part of the story, she rode on a donkey while she was pregnant. I don't understand why, why that part of her story stuck out to me, but that's what stuck out to me. But, we, but just to get serious for a moment, each season that we get to read about in the Bible, normally it's a big season for these people, these heavy hitters in the Bible, the names that we recognize. It's normally a big season uh, in their life. But what we don't see is a season of preparation that God put them through prior to the seasons that we get to read about. So... Uh, my main point tonight on, on seasonal fruit is God designed us to harvest specific fruits in different seasons for the best results. Certain fruits aren't ready in certain seasons. So I just want to share a personal story with you. So the reason I'm, I'm talking about this is because it's something that I'm walking through right now with God. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I feel called to full-time ministry, whether it's, it, it will eventually be a pastor doing more of this. It's my first time to get to do this, but uh, I feel like God is calling me to do this on a more regular basis, encourage people, uh, teach the word, disciple, all this kind of stuff that I've been doing for years. But that's not what I'm doing in this season of my life. And so it's easy for me to look at and say, God, I know this is where you want me to, where you want to take me, but I'm not there yet. But right now I'm doing like technology services, production, like all the details of a service, we're planning, helping design graphics. And I'm like, Lord, I'm putting up with this right now, but like, I don't, I don't always understand what this has to do with the future. But in this season of my life, if I'm not concentrating on this season, if I'm not concentrating on this season and the fruits that are around me that are ripe, that are ready to be picked, that are going to prepare me for what's ahead, I'm going to miss out on the benefit of those fruits and the enjoyment that God intended for me to have in that season. So as I wrap up, I just want you to know in whatever season you're in, whether that's college, whether it's young adult, there's a ton of seasons represented in this room. I feel like in this season, God is teaching me to just stop, enjoy what God has put in front of you. It's really easy for us to think, this isn't what I think it should be, God, or this isn't what I want. But let me tell you, what God wants for you is to be in this season that you're in, the season of preparation for what he's going to have for you to come. And so I want you to know, and for some of you, you may be discouraged by the season you're in. Some of you may just be in debt because of the season you just got out of called college. Holla. <laughs> That's me. Uh, we trying to pay that off. But serious, like some of you may be discouraged or maybe just kind of lost as to why you're in this season. I want to let you know that there is hope in this season. God wants to show you the fruit that's around, fruit that's around you. We just have to be aware to stop and look and figure out what fruit is there to be harvested and to what fruit to bear in the season that we're in. So 
our story and our lives are, are a process. In the season that you're in, this is what I'm learning. And I'm, I'm thankful for the season, but I'm like, okay, God, let's do this. And so some of y'all may be there too, but uh, it's a process. And season after season, there's new fruit. And so just be aware, the season you're in, God has something for you. He has purpose. He has a plan for the season you're in. And that's what God wants you to know tonight from me. So thank you so much for the ability to be able to teach for just a few minutes. Uh, I want to invite my friend, uh, my friend's bride, Kendra Tomboli, up here to the stage. Come on. Y'all, give it up for free one more time. That was awesome. It's going to be hard to follow that up, but it was a great word. What's up, guys? If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Kendra Tomboli. Um, it's a new last name. Uh, I am one of the leaders here at Elevation. I have had the honor to serve in this ministry for about four years now, and I love it. I am married. My husband's the really cute one. You want to wave, babe? Yeah, with the hat on. Yeah. He, he's my best friend. Marriage is a blast. We've been married a little over four and a half months, and we're loving every minute of it. Actually, together, we oversee the Elevation Serve Team. Anybody on the Serve Team in here? We love the serve team. We love them so much. And we just got to lead our first mission trip as a married couple to New Orleans last week. Did anybody go to New Orleans? We had a blast. That, that's my new family. We helped a lot of people we served. But, guys, I'm excited to be up here. Justin asked me what emoji I was about tonight, and I was like, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know what else to say. I'm just excited. I'm, I'm honored. Um, Pastor Amir and I, we've been friends for a really long time, and when he asked to speak, I, God just kept reminding me of the first time I came and I was just weighted down with sin and the things in my life and I was so heavy. And I thought, how cool to see God bring something full circle. He redeemed all these things in my life and now I get to encourage you guys. And it's just, it's really, really cool. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in. I want you guys to all write this down. This is going to be my thought throughout this, my time up here, but it's called Take a Look at Your Life. Take a Look at Your Life. I'm going to be in the story of Haggai tonight. I don't know if y'all have ever read that. It's only two chapters. It's in the Old Testament somewhere. But um, you can go ahead and start turning there. And I'm just going to kind of set the story up for you for anybody who's never read it. Basically, long story short, several years after the Israelites, we have a group of people. And God goes to them and he says, hey, guys, will y'all follow me and help me rebuild my temple? And they're like, sure, God, we love you. We'll follow you anywhere. And so he says, okay, come on. And they follow him, and he, he says, this is it. This is where we're going to rebuild my temple. This is where you're going to live. And they're like, awesome. And, and they start rebuilding his temple. But something happens, and 14 years pass, and they never fin finish rebuilding God's temple. And so God sends Haggai with a message from him to this people. So I'm going to pick up reading in Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. This is what the Lord says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why is it the time for you to be living in your luxurious houses while my, while my house lies in ruins? Or, or unfinished, because they never finished it. This is what the Lord says. Take a look at your life. So a couple things really quick that I just noticed, and I thought, man, this sounds like me. And I thought, I, I thought it maybe could relate to you guys is, Two things. The first thing is they were willing to follow Jesus, guys. Jesus said, hey, will you help me remember the temple? They were like, yes, Lord, we love you. I'm sure they wanted to be known. We're Christians. We're going to follow you. 
But when they got, when it came time for the work, they were like, uh, other things became more important. So they wanted to be a follower of Jesus, but they didn't want to actually do what he said. They didn't want to have priority and obedience. I thought, man, that sounds like me a lot of the times. The second thing I noticed really quick is they had excuses. Um, right when I start reading in verse 2, it says, they're, they're saying, but God, it's not the right time to build your temple. And God's saying, take a look at your life. The whole reason we came here was to rebuild my temple. What do you mean it's not the right time? And I just started thinking about my own life and, and you guys, and I thought, the whole reason we're here, us guys, is to be the church. And how often are we trying to give our excuses and put our own lives in front of the things that we know God wants us to do? And I just felt like this story, if you ever get a chance to read it, you should. It's just really applicable. I was able to pull so much from it. So why does God respond? Why does he tell him to take a look at your life? I think he says it four or five times in the two chapters of Haggai. Why does he keep saying that? I think it's because the only way we can really know how we're doing with prioritizing the things of God is if we stop and we take a look at our lives. And so I just want to give you guys a little bit of application with that. You might be thinking, Kendra, well, how do I do that? How do I take a look at my life? How do I know where I'm doing? I was talking to Bethany earlier, and I said, I think what I would want, I just want them to just make, make time, set aside time. You can put it on your calendar. How many live off a calendar? You live off your calendar? I know. Um, every, it can be once a month. It can be every three to six months. Put it on your calendar. Take a look at your life. Well, ask yourself. Just do it. When you do that, just ask yourself, how am I doing? How, how do you spend your time? And I don't mean just your free time. I mean your time. What's involved in your day? And is God anywhere in it? Is he a part of it at all? What occupies your thought life? What are you thinking about? You know what I think about? People pleasing. I consume my mind with the approval of people, and it kills my walk with God a lot of times. I have to take it captive. Kendra, it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they think. What occupies your thought life? Is it God? Ask your friends, mentor, people in your life that are healthy relationships for you, how you're doing, and, and see what kind of feedback they give you. The reason I'm so passionate about this, guys, is because I believe between the ages of 18 to 30-ish, which is the group that this ministry is trying to reach, there's transition after transition after transition. And, and you might be moving out of your parents' house. You might be starting a new job. You might be in college. You might be married, having kids, figuring out what taxes are, um, <laughs> learning... <laughs> It's hard. <laughs> Living off an income. You know, it's transition after transition, guys. And if you aren't learning how to stop and reevaluate your life, prioritize things, then God's going to take the back seat every time something new comes. Something new is going to come. You're going to get a boyfriend, girls. Guys, you're going to get an awesome job. You're making a lot of money, and God's going to take the back seat because you never learned how to stop and say, How am I doing? And I, I'm, I'm dealing with this too. Let me just share with you guys something. You know, I've only been married four and a half months, but the devil still tempts me and Seth just like he did before we were married. It's not like you're free of temptation once you find your husband or your wife. And we just, we've gotten into these times where we're just like, we want time together. We just want to be able to travel. We want to go on vacation. But we just got so much, so much ministry stuff we're doing, and the devil's always tempting us. Well, well, why don't you just not go to life group? Well, why don't you just not read your word? You don't have to go to church this week. You don't need to be around those healthy friends that really fill you up. Just take a break. You know, he never tempts us with the things that aren't of God to get rid of those. He never says, um, 
for some of you girls, he never says, oh, well, you, shouldn't, you should get rid of being on Instagram all day or you should get rid of being consumed with your future spouse. He wants, he, the devil tempts you to get rid of things in your life first that are from God. And I'm just here to speak over you. I just want you guys to hear that if you're feeling right now, I got a lot going on. And I just, I need to start weeding some things out. If, if the devil's tempting you that the things of God are the first to go, that's a lie from the enemy, and you need to bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. Because you need to make Jesus a priority and choose him, and then you'll learn how to get rid of the things in your life that don't need to be there, that aren't priorities. I think a lot of times, guys, we don't stop and take a look at our lives because we don't really know if it's worth it. Is it worth it to make God a priority? Is it worth it to do the things that he asks? And I'm just here to tell you, and there's several other leaders in here, and, and just people I know would tell you something. I have got to personally experience the peace and the blessing of God just from sacrifice and being obedient and stopping and just being like, God, how am I doing? I have friends in my life that will check me on things, and I just experience his peace and blessing, and I want that for you guys. I want y'all to get it now so that you don't have things that are taking precedent over God when, you, when something comes up. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be given to you. I'm going to say it one more time. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be given to you. All I'm asking you guys to do tonight is take a look at your life, reevaluate, see how you're doing, and I think God's going to speak to you on that. So I love you guys. Thanks for letting me speak to y'all. Now I'm going to welcome, welcome my brother, Nate Senior. Thank you. By brother, she means brother. We were family leaders in the car in New Orleans, and it was wild. <laughs> uh, so guys, I'm Nate. I'm from Michigan, I'm, uh, and I'm 13 hours away from home in Arkansas. Uh, I came here as an observer. I wanted to learn from this church uh, about everything from leadership to discipleship, and um, it's been an honor just learning from you guys. Um, huge shout out, Amir, intern coach, leader, criticizer, and giving the best, most constructive criticism. <laughs> I'm telling you what, it's good. It's good. Guys, I wanna, uh, when I say shout out, I mean, this guy, he has a heart to not only like spend time with you, but we talk about you guys in the back room, and I hear a heart coming from Amir that is, I, I've met a lot of leaders, and Amir, you're, you're, you're a great friend, you're unique, and man, I, I'm excited for the future of this ministry. It's exciting. Um, I love people. Tuesday nights, board game night, blue sale, 8.30. Let me tell you what. How many of you have been there? Boom. Okay, come. Come. Just come. Let's talk. Let's hang. All right. All right, so come back. Come back. I almost, I almost threw my mic. I almost threw it. I have a story. Um... There was this uh, a little adventure I took with some friends. We went to this island off the coast of Maine. And I'm serious, it was a beautiful time. Um, and we spent some time hiking and just exploring this island. And there was this point, we, with this day that came, and it was just this dark and stormy day. So we did what any other sheltered American group of guys would do. We, we stayed inside and watched Netflix all day. 
How, what a waste. You can say, you can say that. What a waste. What a waste. It was a dark, dreary day, and we debated all day about going out in kayaks late at night. We were hoping the day would clear up, and so our 30th episode of Arrested Development ended, and we're like, we're like, okay, let's just do it. And so we, we, uh, we walk out of the house, and we were on the shore, and we look outside, and we realize the last of the clouds have just cleared. And so we get in our kayaks, we get our gear together, and we push off just almost exactly at midnight. And so as we float out into the water, we're in this cove, we notice, like, the, obviously the tree line starts to leave our, our view of sight, and we start to realize that as all the light behind us started to fade, like all the man-made light started to fade, we looked out and we started to see that the stars were coming, becoming brighter and brighter. And as on a, on a dark and dreary stormy day like that, for some reason, I think it was maybe the tide or something, but the water was perfectly calm. It was like glass. So we, go, we start going out and we come to this point where we realize that the stars are so bright, they're reflecting off the surface of the water. And as we float, it's like we were floating into a perfect orb of stars. All you could see was stars. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. You didn't know if you were moving forward or backwards. When your paddle would hit the water, the stars would crest on the top of the waves, and literally the, the waves would shimmer. Against the backdrop of darkness, light becomes more pronounced. Today, I want to propose a few simple steps on how to bring light back into darkness. So I want to talk to you about Nehemiah. I'm just going to paraphrase Nehemiah chapters 1 through 3. Nehemiah was an incredible character in the Bible. He started out just as a cupbearer, though. He was a cupbearer for the most powerful king in the uh, most powerful man in the known world, the king of Babylon. And so many of us would consider this a, a great opportunity. We, we're, we're super close working with the king. Some of us would consider this a terrible opportunity because we're testing the, the king's drinks for poison. <laughs> kind of risky business. So he, so it's kind of all a matter of, matter of perspective. But I have a quick question. Does this remind anyone of their first job? Because this was his first job. Maybe that's just me. Okay. All right. <laughs> so he gets some bad news. So Nehemiah gets some bad news. And the bad news is his, the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. The city of his forefathers. He's never been there. He finds that, it, so someone comes to him and says, that Jerusalem's been destroyed. And he breaks down, but then a fire lights inside of him. And this is where it gets good. He, 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 he identifies this fire. He approaches the king. He pleads his case with the king. And the king says, let's do this. And he blesses him. He, he, not only, he says, you are cleared to go, but you're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fund you in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. This, when, when Nehemiah was approaching Jerusalem, this, what this meant was, he was, his intention was to make the name of God dwell in the city of Jerusalem. That was his intention. When the, when the name of God dwelled with the Israelites, that meant blessing. That meant healing for the people. That meant a very, very, very clear direction 
They were following oftentimes a, a, a pillar of fire in the sky or clouds by day. It's very clear direction. But if they weren't following the Lord, I think a lot of us know the story if you're in the year of the Bible. It was like the weakest of the weak armies would go against the Israelites and they just get wiped out. It was, it's ridiculous. And in the case of this story, the Israelites have been scattered. They've, they've just been scattered across, across many nations. So, long story short, this was more than a geographic location for Nehemiah. This was, his intention was to bring a nation of people back to life. And here's, here's my main point. You ready? You are Nehemiah. You are a modern day Nehemiah. And you are called to rebuild, restore, and carry that light into a dark and dying land. How many can say this land is dark and dying? I've seen it too. So what, what, light, what happens when light gets carried in by us carriers of Jesus? We see addiction fall. We see bad relationships end. We see people who are wrapped up in pride and vanity. We see that fall because we're carriers and we are influencers and we're led by the Holy Spirit. All of that, all of those things fall at the light you carry. So my, my, main, my main thing I'm bringing is where do we start? And this, this starting point, it's funny, I have known... I knew this, this starting point when I first came here, when I first arrived in Arkansas. This, start, this point I'm about to share with you, this has been wheeling over and over and over in my mind. And I'm extremely excited to share it with you. But before I share it with you, this all starts with prayer. Just know that. Start asking God, God, what is your intention for our city? What do you want done in this place? What, are, what, are my, what is my territory? These, these are questions... You can ask God, the creator of the universe, and even if you don't know how to pray, you can do it. Trust me, you can. So here's, here is my, my big, the, the thing that's been going over and over in my mind. Start viewing here as yours. This land, this territory, this city of Conway, whether it's Conway, whether it's Maumel or Little Rock, downtown, whatever, start viewing this as yours. The people inside of this, it's more than a geographic location. This is about the people inside of it. Start loving those people like it's their last day on earth. Start, I know God's put people on your heart. I know it. I know you see them in, in the hallways. I know you see them in the, in the office you work in. Start asking God on your way there, God, how, what am I supposed to say to that person today? How am I supposed to encourage them? This is you guys. This is me. This is all of us, guys. We're in this together. Start viewing here as yours, and God's going to start bringing light back into this territory. In conclusion, guys, I am I'm excited. I'm excited for you all to see when the lights come back on. I'm excited for you to see when that person you've been reaching out to finally says, I'm a mess. What am I supposed to do? I... I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. Because as, as we ask for it, you will see it. This is, this, is, this is you guys. And this is extremely exciting. 
the most beautiful thing you'll ever see, and I'm convinced of this, is freedom being found in, in a person you sit across the table from. That's all I have for you guys. I love you all. It's an honor to be here. Next up, my sister, Bethany Walker. Hello, hello, Elevation. How are you guys doing tonight? Hasn't this been awesome? It's been a great night so far, right? Well, like Nate said, my name is Bethany, and I've been leading here for a while, serving in this ministry for about three years, and I get to lead the Connect team. Where's my Connect team at? With Wesley Freeland. I love them a lot, and they love you guys a lot. If you haven't got to meet them yet, you should. Um, But it's been a lot of fun to lead in this ministry under Amir, and the cool thing about Amir is not only do I get to follow him as a leader, but he's also my boyfriend, if you didn't know that. No, I'm a lucky girl. But I just want to give honor where honor is due, guys. This guy, this, the same Amir that you see up here every Thursday night preaching with transparency and with passion, encouraging you guys, that doesn't ever turn off. That's who he is on and off the stage. He's real, and I promise you guys, he's always, he's always thinking about y'all, always praying for you guys, always trying to find ways to love you better. There's probably few people in the wor- world that love you more than Amir does, honestly. So, But I'm excited to speak to you guys. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Um, tonight, I'm going to talk to y'all about something that God has been teaching me recently. A wise friend once told me that when the Lord gives us opportunities to share, he just wants us to share out of the overflow of what he's already been teaching us. So I'm teaching to myself tonight too. So y'all just join me in this, but it's just a simple thought that our prayers precede change. I want us to start thinking about how our prayers really have the power to shape our world and what we're dealing with. So we're going to be breaking this down by looking at Joshua and his story in Joshua chapter 6. So if y'all want to go ahead and turn there, um, we're going to jump in at verse 15, but I'm just going to set the story up for you and kind of tell you what's going on. So basically, Joshua is leading the Israelites into the promised land. And the promised land is just this um, land that God has promised the Israelites years and years ago. Like they've been waiting on this land for a long time, guys, and they're On their way there, God just parted the Jordan River for them, and they're excited. They finally get there, and there's a problem. There's people there, and a lot of people. And it's actually a city named Jericho, and there's this big wall around it. And I don't know about y'all, but I think if Joshua is any kind of man at all, he's thinking, we're going to storm in this city with our horses and our fire and our shields and our manly beards, and we're going to show Jericho who's boss, right? (laughs) All the guys are, like, nodding their heads. Are you there with me? (laughs) But there's a plot twist, and an angel shows up. And he says, actually, what God wants you to do is circle around this city for seven days in prayer and let God do what only he can do in this situation. So we're going to jump in in verse 15. I think it will be on the screen for you guys. It says, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And in verse 20, it says, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could, and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. So what we see happen, guys, is they were dependent on God and his power in prayer, and God brought about the change for them. 
what they were asking God to do. They just stepped back and said, Lord, I'm going to commit this to you in prayer. And he did what only he could do for them. So as I was reading the story, I got so convicted because it was so easy for Joshua to just step back and say, okay, I'll just pray. And I don't know about y'all, but if I was Joshua, I'd have probably been like, Angel, are you sure that God's going to hear us? Like, are you sure that this is going to work? Are you? We've been really disobedient for the past 400 years, wandering around in the desert. Are you sure God is, gonna, is on our side and is with us? And I don't know about you guys, but I'm different in Joshua in that. For me, when it comes to the subject of prayer, sometimes I do find myself saying, you know, I haven't read my Bible in a few days. I don't know if God hears me right now. Or I haven't been to life group in a few weeks. I don't, I don't even want to pray because I feel like I'm far from the Lord. Or maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of sin or something that you, an addiction you can't seem to break. And it's keeping you from getting, drawing close to God in prayer. And if you feel that way, I just want to say I relate with you. I feel that way too. Even recently, I know exactly what that's like. And God has been teaching me about that. But what I feel like God wanted me to tell you tonight is that the power of our prayer has nothing to do with us or what we've done, guys. But it has everything to do with Jesus and what Jesus already did for us. And what I love about Joshua is it was so easy for him to release that plan because he knew that the power of his prayer was coming not from the Israelites and themselves, but from the God that they were praying to. So I just want us to get that perspective tonight and just be confident in that Jesus has given us that right standing before God. And he is the one that um, gives us the power in our prayer. So if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. Because of what Jesus did for me, my prayers precede change. Because of what Jesus did for me, my prayers precede change. So I just think if we can really embrace this and believe it and start living it out and declaring things in prayer, that we will see that our prayers will start to, to shape and change our world and that God will start making things happen for us. But like the Israelites, I think that we all have some form of Jericho in our lives. Whatever that is for you that may be standing between you and your promised land, and my challenge for you tonight is to not just believe that your prayers are powerful, but to start fighting for things in prayer. So whatever it is you feel like you're fighting for, do what the Israelites did and start fighting in prayer instead of on your own. And maybe for you, your Jericho could be trying to get somebody in here, trying to get somebody to church. Maybe you've been forcing conversations or trying to, to drag them in here by the hair of their head and it's not happening for you. I wonder if God would want to say, hey, are you praying for them? Have you prayed for them at all? Have you committed them to me in prayer? Or maybe it's your future, a job situation, or a school that you're trying to get into, or something like that, that you've maybe been trying to force open doors that God hasn't opened for you. And God's saying, hey, why don't you take a step back and just pray? Why don't you just let me do what I can do? Or maybe you're single in this room, and you're ready to be married, amen? And you're, you're looking around, and you're like, God, I'm single as can be. I'm I'm so confused. <laughs> oh shoot! No, I, I'm. That's not what I meant. But if you maybe you don't have a boyfriend and you want a boyfriend <laughs> or a girlfriend, maybe you're waiting for that to happen. But really, guys, maybe that area of your life you've been settling. 
for relationships that you know aren't God's best for you, or you've been pursuing guys or pursuing girls that you know that that's not what God wants for your life, and, the, and God's saying, hey, why don't you just step back and pray and let me unveil this relationship with, for you and do what only I can do in this area? Or maybe it's an addiction of some sort. Maybe pornography or to the approval of people. I've been addicted to that before and still struggle with that today. And maybe for a long time, you've been trying to break that on your own and, and you're tired. I get that. And God is saying, hey, just fight that battle in prayer and let me show you how to how to take care of that, or a family issue, whatever it is for you, I'm just asking you, what is your Jer- Jericho, and how can you start fighting for that in prayer? So practically, I'm not asking y'all to be weird Christians and go lock yourself in a room and pray for 10 hours a day. That's weird. Don't do that, actually. We'd be the weird ministry in town. But I'm just asking you to ask God, what is a step in my prayer life look for me, God? What, whether it's five minutes a day in your car, or maybe you pray all the time. And God wants you to consider fasting for a certain issue. Whatever that is for you, just ask God, what is taking a step in my prayer life look for me? And I really believe, guys, that when we start to believe that Jesus is the one that gives our prayer our prayers power and we start to fight for things in prayer, we're going to see walls fall in our life, just like Jericho did. We just have to start living this out. And I promise you, if no one in your life has been faithful to you, God will be faithful to you. And then the time that you commit to him in prayer will not be, you won't regret it. I promise you guys, I've seen it in my own life and things with my family and my relationships. The moment that you start to commit time to God, he sees the things that nobody else sees. And those hours that you spend alone with him believing for things, I promise you, he will be faithful to you. And you will see those things come to pass. So... I love you guys. That's all I have for y'all. Amir is going to come up and pray for y'all. Thanks for this opportunity.